Since the COVID-19 pandemic began more than a year ago, reports of mental health issues have skyrocketed. People have been experiencing increased stress, anxiety, depression, and drug and alcohol use. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am thrilled to be talking with my friend and mental health advocate, Jamie Angelini. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Thanks for having me on your video podcast. Oh, cool. yes, it's a new thing we're doing with video. Jamie's been with the Mental Health Association in Atlanta County for many years, and she was just promoted to Statewide Director of Disaster Services and Special Projects. So congratulations, Jamie. Thank you. Very well deserved. I know you work so hard, and you've assisted people over the years with so many different issues, including Superstorm Sandy, which really had an effect on a lot of people. But have you ever seen anything like COVID-19? No, I mean, I feel like this is a whole different animal. I mean, we've always responded to disaster. You know, our agency responded after 9-11, as you mentioned, after Superstorm Sandy. The goals and the principles of disaster mental health are the same, but my gosh, this disaster is so different. Nothing could have prepared us for a global pandemic and the emotional impact that this would cause our, our people in New Jersey. And who knew that it would be going on more than a year later? You and I talked about this before. We took two weeks of, of work home with us when we first closed down and, oh, you know, we'll be back. And no one really understood what was in our future with this. So do you think that has a lot to do with it as well? People were caught off guard. I think so. You know, like you said, we talked about, we packed up our offices. My kids came home from school that Friday and with all intent of going back in a couple of weeks. And it almost felt kind of like a snow day. And then the time went on. And I think people started to really feel that stress and that anxiety of when will this end? How will this end? Um, and, and, you know, what's going to happen next? So I, I definitely think we didn't think we'd be in it this long when we started this a year ago. Absolutely not. And a lot of times I think it's that fear of the unknown as well. If we had an end date to this, maybe it would be a little easier to cope with. But it has been a, a very difficult situation, especially for people who are already dealing with mental health issues. What are some of the things you're seeing? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the unpredictability of, of this disaster, because really that uncertainty, that's what's causing our fear and our anxiety. You know, we as human beings, we, we do okay, even with bad news, if we know what the news is, if we know how to react. Sure. It's been this uncertainty. And for those that were already struggling or experiencing mental health challenges before the pandemic, you know, many of their services were interrupted. People were now home feeling more isolated than ever um, and feeling fear and wary. So we definitely saw an increase in people reaching out for help. Absolutely. And even if you were not experiencing mental health issues, you might be now because it's just so overwhelming for I don't think there's a person that has been unaffected by this. I mean, we yeah. all have felt it. And some just have fortunately, you know, really good support systems and been able to handle it. And then other people really need some extra assistance. And what are some of the signs and symptoms we can look for in a, a mental health crisis, whether it's depression or anxiety? What, what are some of the things we need to be aware of, Jamie? So we always want to look for, we always start with looking for some early signs and symptoms in ourselves and in the people around us, you know, so maybe if we're starting to feel like we want to isolate or withdraw, not because of the pandemic, but because we just don't wanna be around people. We're just feeling sad and worried all the time. We're having trouble focusing or concentrating. You know, tasks that used to be easy are becoming more difficult. Um, increased use of substances, you know, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So we look at things like that as early signs and symptoms. We also always wanna look at worsening signs and symptoms. And 
thinking about, you know, is this different for that person? Is this different for me? You know, you've taken mental health first aid and we always sum it up in those four L's, that ability to live, laugh, love, and learn. And we say that that's an early indicator. If you're not able to do those things, maybe something's going on, reach out for support. You know, if someone close to you is acting a certain way, acting different, not enjoying or engaging, reach out and say, hey, I'm concerned and I've noticed. Yes. And I took the youth mental health first aid. I loved it. I would recommend it. We all should take this. I want to take the one for adult. I keep saying that, but I really want to do that. We did it live before the pandemic. And now I know you're doing a lot of this online, but a great program. Is it still eight hours? So there's a new blended curriculum. So individuals do two hours on their own kind of mm -hmm. pre-work. And then they spend about six, six and a half hours with us in the virtual classroom. Um, but I just can't say enough about that. It's one way when you asked about what, how do we notice early signs or what should we look for? It's one way that people, every person can be trained to recognize in each other, you know, when it's time to reach out for support. I always say just like you would take CPR training or first aid training for a physical ailment, mm -hmm. this is for our mental health. And I just loved it. You taught the class. It was great. It gave me a lot of insight. I have a 20 year old son and a 17 year old daughter and they're going through, he's in college, he's finishing up high school and they're going through the same thing. So many other kids are experiencing right now. And it's a, a sense of loss for so many people, a loss of our daily, not just our daily lives, but of uh, different milestones, graduations, weddings, so many things have been put on hold. And there's a sense of grief that comes with that. With that. Grief is not just when you lose someone. Grief is loss of, of your, something that you expect in your life, something you're looking forward to. And so many people have, have to put on so, had to put so many things on hold. What are you seeing when it comes to kids in school. I know you do a lot with the high schools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for our kids, and, and I also have teens, we talk about that, you know, yes. their lives have been completely turned upside down, um, like ours have. And, you know, they're also feeling that grief and that loss and that loss of normalcy, that loss of routine. You know, even though our kids complain about being in school, that's really their sense of wellness, that sense of structure, being there with their peers and with their teachers and being part of their teams. So, you know, we're absolutely seeing some of our teens feeling more isolated and feeling that sense of loss, that sense of, you know, loss of connectedness. Um, and, you know, and not every teen, every child is the same. We're also seeing, you know, kids thriving at home, virtually learning. So we have to look at it across the board, but, you know, really just opening those conversations. So for, you know, people who are parents, open the conversations with your children. Don't assume they're doing okay just because they seem like they are. Ask some questions. Um, find out how they're feeling about the pandemic, you know, how they're feeling about not being in school in a normal setting for, mm -hmm. for all this time. Yeah, I know when we had uh, the recent spring break, my daughter was almost more down because she has been going back to school. I had the option to send her back and it's better for her. She's she, for her personally. She got back into seeing people again and more of a normal routine. You know, we're, we're all thrown off of our regular routines, but I have noticed that she has been, you know, a little more down in some ways. So what do you do if you start to see those signs and symptoms? I talked to her about it and she keeps just saying, when is this going to end? Just yeah. the way we all feel. I know. So what are some ways to help if you see that in your child? I think first, we just have to have those honest conversations and let our kids know, like we're, you know, we're also experiencing sense of loss. We're all feeling it. And what are the things we can do to maintain wellness? So if we're not able to go out and do the things we did before the pandemic, what are the things we can do to adapt? And I think that's a lot of this, you know, pieces of it are 
we can't take the stress away, but we can adapt to it. We can't go back and have that life we had, you know, in March. And I hear so many people talk about this new normal. And instead of thinking about the new normal, let's think about this new life that we can build that might look a little different. So yeah. saying to our kids and our teens, what can we still do to adapt to the stress, to still feel well, still do things that feed our soul and our mind in a good way. And maybe it's not going to be the same and that's okay, but let's discuss that and let's come up with a new plan. So I think a lot of it's just open communication and figuring out what are we going to do to move forward so that we can be okay. And if we're not okay, that's also all right. How do we talk about it? Because mm -hmm. there's tons of support out there for ourselves and for our kids. And we don't want people to be afraid to reach out for that support or to think that, you know, hey, I, I should just push through. We don't need to push through. There's a lot of support available. That's a very good point. And one thing that I really loved about mental health first aid was to really listen, listen to other people, especially your children, and not diminish their feelings. Mm -hmm. Don't just say, and we have a tendency of parents, as parents, we want to sort of say, oh, it's going to be okay. And you're all right. And it's no big deal. And in their minds, it is a big deal. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge their feelings. And that was one of the things that I, I learned a lot. I understand how you feel. How can I help with that? Was a great way to address an issue with someone and open the conversation a little bit more. And I, I just love that. And I definitely will put that in the show notes. If somebody wants a link yeah. to mental health first aid, I think it's just a, a wonderful program. We all need it. Even if you don't have someone in your life you suspect of it, you could be affected or Perhaps it's a stranger, someone that you work with. It could Absolutely. be anyone. You never know. I mean, the research tells us one in five, you know, one in five of us will experience a mental health disorder in our lifetime. So we have to think about ourselves, our family, our friends, our children. And I'm glad you pointed out that piece of the action plan in mental health first aid listening. And it's listening respectfully and non-judgmentally. It sounds so easy to do, but it's really hard for people. And being able to just take a step back and say to our kids sometimes, you're not alone. And that's mm -hmm. it. We don't have to fix everything. We don't have to make it better. Sometimes just saying I'm here and you're not alone is, is what people need to hear, especially yeah. our kids. We're, we're yeah. big on hugs in our family. Lots of hugs. That's, uh, that's, um, you know, we just support one another and we say, I love you like every 10 minutes. <laughs> that's, that's our, that's our support. Uh, you can't get mechanism. enough of that. These can't days. get enough of hugs and I love you, you know, in the family. So let's talk about how I love how the mental health association just pivoted when COVID really hit home to a virtual world. Talk about some of your programs and what you're doing with that. Sure. So we really did. We moved very quickly to move all of our services remotely and virtually so that people would not have that disruption in support. Um, we've also opened up, you know, our virtual doors to so many people who before were not reaching out and, and just need a little added support right now. So we have virtual support groups. We have groups every single day of the week um, for, you know, targeted populations like healthcare workers and law enforcement and parents and teachers, but groups for anyone and everyone around stress management and coping skills just to really focus on how do we get through this pandemic together. Um, so those are on Zoom. So kind of like you and I are meeting now, that's how right. groups meet. We all are doing we, um, it. Yeah. We also have a text line and that's been really great because people can at their own time, at their own pace, just text in and get support from a crisis counselor um, and can receive some motivational little texts back throughout the day and throughout the week. So that's been another really wonderful um, program that we've been able to launch. And then our call line, we've always had our call line, New Jersey Mental Health Cares. 
we are now seeing our calls double with people reaching out. Um, and our call line, our specialists are usually that first person that people may call just for emotional support, maybe for information or resources. But we've been able as an organization to provide, you know, a lot of a lot of support virtually and remotely. Um, and everything is free and we just want people to know that support is available and that we're, you know, all we are all experiencing something. So chances are if you reach out, the person on the other end can also offer you some peer support and say, hey, I'm I'm with you going through this and how can we develop some coping strategies. So That's it's been really helpful. So important to know that there are other people experiencing what you're experiencing. That's the whole premise behind support groups. And for those that may have been a little tentative before or possibly had obstacles to get to a meeting, transportation issues, the virtual meetings really offer an opportunity to get involved. And another point of that is if you do not want to be seen, mm -hmm you can turn off the video part of it and just participate uh, with the audio or just listen. And I think that's a great opportunity for people who might have been a little nervous in the past. It's a great way to kind of dip your toe in yeah. without feeling that you have to, you know, expose your entire no, you know life you're, to you're people. Right. People can turn off their camera. They, you know, we know we can rename ourselves anything we want on this virtual screen. And um, it's been nice because, like you mentioned, some people who maybe would not have come to an in-person support group feel much more comfortable. Other people have had barriers, transportation or childcare. So we have tapped into providing support to individuals that we didn't even know we were missing. Um, so, you know, there, of course, there's nothing like the in-person. However, the virtual support really does work well for people. And we're really glad that people are taking part of it um, and getting the support that they need. Do you think that when things open up again and life gets back to whatever normal is again, <laughs> that you will uh, still be offering the virtual programs? I absolutely do. I, I think now that we see we've tapped into a population of folks who feel more comfortable doing it this way, I think we'll have you know some sense of a hybrid um, moving forward for sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the socioeconomic differences in our society. We always have known that they've existed, but now I think COVID has really brought to light the differences and the struggles that many people go through when they are working, you know, maybe two jobs or supporting a single person, supporting their children. How has this impacted mental health? I think we definitely have seen the um, various changes in people being able to access services. We've seen the changes around socioeconomic status. And we absolutely, I will so, say COVID has revealed the pandemic that was always with us of racism and social injustice. And there's a lot our organization is doing around that. We have a whole program focused on supporting families of color who've been impacted by COVID-19. So what COVID-19 did was, was reveal what was already there. Um, and as an agency, we're really working to be sure that we're helping individuals of color access mental health and behavioral health services and focus on some of those health disparities overall. It's, it's um, really so important to do that. And you mentioned you know, social injustice. And not only are we dealing with a pandemic, but our society right now is in a total upheaval. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know. So that's another stressor to people. You turn on the news and it's just, and, and mass shootings almost every day. So these types of things just 
I feel it. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I turn on the news and it makes me very upset to see what's happening in our country right now. And and that's a tough thing. And what I try to do is just look at it in the morning, get my news mm -hmm. and now shut it off because too much of it, it's overload. And that really can, and I see my, actually I've seen my daughter when the news is on, get upset about certain things. So I've been trying to keep her away from it as much as possible because it, it's, it is upsetting what's going on in our world right now and, and in our own country. And we're seeing a lot of that more so than usual. Don't you agree? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, one, you, you point out a key of, you know, get your information, but be careful about too much because it isn't good for our emotional health to have the radio or the TV or the news running all day long in the background. I think, in, especially in the beginning of COVID, so many of us were doing that. Um, and we found that it's, you know, for me, I know it's not healthy. I have to get the news and then and move on with my day because it, it becomes really difficult to listen and watch. But I also think it's, we're just in such a difficult spot right now of feeling that, you know, trauma over and over again. Um, and specifically, for individuals who are feeling that it's hard and we're asking, you know, reach out for support and help because it's a lot and nobody should be taking that on by themselves um, without support. It's just a lot for all of us right now. And, and it's a lot for our children to, to see and to witness. It absolutely is. And yeah. one way that we have also tried to cope in our household is to get family walks, get some mm -hmm. movement, some fitness, some exercise, do some things that are fun as much as we can. Maybe yeah. if it's a nice day, take a walk on the boardwalk or just get out and try to, those types of things really help you with your mental health. Yeah, we have to do those. And I think that, you know, we throw around the word self-care and wellness so much, but mm -hmm. we have to really be deliberate with it. It has to be meaningful and thoughtful. And every single person should realize it's not, you know, selfish, you know, self-care. It's something that is required of all of us to refuel our body and our soul every day. So you know, think about what we can do. So for you, it might be that family walk. For someone else, it might just be that minute of thinking, meditation, clearing their mind, yoga, deep breathing, whatever it is, you know, everyone needs to do something each day for themselves um, to really move through this difficult time in our lives. I agree. I, I always say, try to do something that you like to do. Do yep. something fun. If it's playing golf or a sport or painting a picture, listening mm -hmm. to music, try to just find something that you enjoy find some joy in life and yeah. sometimes we have to make our own joy yep. it's not always there for us we have to make an effort and you can sort of reverse maybe a negative mood if you do those types of things and get yourself out of a a funk i guess is a good word for it because it can be easy to get into it and then that can spiral into something really difficult if you if you don't really take care of yourself and it's really important now some people it, it's it's tough for them to do that and that's one of the reasons you're there to help when it gets to be too much and so it's so important that we all recognize the symptoms in each other uh and and ourselves and take care of it and address it it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength Absolutely. and we also you and i've also talked about mental health is not separate from physical health we are all one it's all related and I've used this analogy before. If you hurt your leg, you would go to the doctor. If you broke your leg, you would go to the doctor and get a cast, get it fixed. Why would you not address a mental health issue? Right. It's, a, it's just as important and it's not separate. And no, I mean, and get rid of the stigma. 
And just like with physical and medical health, early intervention is the key. We know that the earlier we recognize warning signs in ourselves or someone else, we can hopefully, you know, reduce and prevent symptoms from getting worse. So we have to think about it the same way. You know, we, we always hear there's no health without mental health, but we need to really act on it in our communities. And every one of us can be a community gatekeeper to send that message and to reduce the stigma around mental health. I always feel like it's everyone's business to open those conversations um, and really talk about, you know, the idea of we have to look at our health equally. We can't look at physical health over here and mental health over there. Um, and we have to look at early warning signs and, and early indicators in ourselves and the people around us. Absolutely true. And the more we talk about it, the more the stigma is eliminated mm -hmm. because there is still that stigma around it. You know, people just saying, oh, just get over it. Right. And sometimes you just can't get over it. You need some help. And that's why there's so many resources available, your groups, your uh, phone calls, uh, texts, uh, there's so many different ways to reach out and get some help. Give give us some of the uh, the websites that people can go to. Sure. So people can check out our website at mhanj.org um, and look at all of the services that we have available. I also recommend doing a mental health screening. So May is Mental Health Month. It's a great time to check in on your mental health if you haven't. Um, take a screening at mhascreening.org. It'll take you, you know, five minutes or so. It goes through a list of questions. It's free and anonymous and just a great way for us to check in on how we're doing emotionally. Um, and then I would also recommend people check out mentalhealthfirstaid.org since we talked a little bit about that class and how much that class can help reduce stigma in our communities and increase mental health literacy. So those are three that I would say check out if you can. I will put them all in the show notes so people can connect with you. But I'm sure if they, they go to your site, you will have links to all of that. So Absolutely. thank you so much, Jamie Angelini, Director of Disaster Services and Special Projects. I don't have my glasses, so I couldn't read that. <laughs> It's getting bad, Jamie. <laughs> thank so you thank so you. Thank you for joining us, Jamie Angelini. We really appreciate it. And thank you for being with us today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff. Be sure to subscribe to get notifications on our most recent episode. Until next time, please stay safe and keep living well.